آمنوا أطيعوا الله وأطيعوا الرسول وأولي الأمر منكم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على نبيه وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته and welcome to the second part of Islamica where we're here to try and answer any questions that you may have to the best of our abilities بإذن الله تعالى so I believe we have a call on the line Assalamualaikum Waalaikum Salaam Warahmatullahi Barakatuh Yes, go ahead I, I, May Allah reward you Ameen. for your knowledge I watch all your programs And uh, you know, it's beautiful Ameen. Sir, a few Ameen. things A sure. yeah, few questions which have emerged from your answer as well One first is to do with the uh, Salah concentration and what I find is that I'm able to focus, yet at the same time, sometime at a distance, the thoughts of, oh, I'll be doing this, or I've got to say this and this, that, they slip in, in and out as well. Mm. And I've learned that, oh, you do silently, you speak three times on the left, or you say, yeah. I don't know, but... It works, sometimes it doesn't work. So, uh, like you rightly said, if you know the meaning of the short surahs, which I know, it helps. So, how do we perfect the salah, you know, concentration? That's the first thing. Second yes. is that uh, can we, uh, you know, as Muslims, we can name children as you, you know, Jacob. Joseph, um, uh, you know, whatever, you know, three, four names of the uh, prophets. Um, is it okay? And are yeah. there a problem with So, no if you yeah. explain that. Yes. <clears throat> also, to, uh, you know, to speak to Christians about, uh, you know, Islam. Yes. Is it okay to give the uh, Quran and tell them read Surah Maryam? Just let them read whatever they wish to read. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, in that sense, uh, you know, it'll be, yes. it'll be nice to know. Okay, we have another caller. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi Go ahead, you're live. Um, what it is, yeah, basically, when I was, I'm 42 years old now. MashaAllah. When I was younger, I used to be, be uh, like in, in a lot of trouble. And basically, I, I, how do I build my relationship back with my family? Yeah. Basically, they, they're speaking to me, but I want to know how do I build a better relationship with my mother? My mother's still alive, alhamdulillah, and my brothers and sisters. And I also got two kids and a wife, so. Mashallah. How okay. do I how do I like get back in a good box? Yes, 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 no problem. How's your relationship Thank with you. them now? My relationship now is is, is kind of is kind of like give and take. Hmm. But I do show I'm not I have been getting in trouble lately, but I just okay. don't know how to. You can never take back what you've done. Yes, basically. Yeah, yeah. So okay, no problem. I really, I really am. I want to know how I can make my mom happy. Inshallah, inshallah, jazakallah khair, inshallah. Okay, um, so we have um, a few, quite a few questions to answer here. Um, the first question uh, was the brother asked, yes, so we're talking about concentration 
in um, the solar, how it is that we are uh, able to focus. Uh, we mentioned a couple of points in terms of the tafsir of Surah Fatiha, the tafsir of, surah of the short surahs that we that we know, starting before we even begin the prayer in terms of wudu. Uh, wudu in and of itself is such an amazing act for good deeds. We know the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said in a hadith collected in Sahih al-Bukhari, every drop of water that falls off our face when we do wudu is an expiation for sins. Imagine every single drop that you've, uh, for any mistakes you've made with your face. And every drop that it, you, falls off your hands when you have, you're doing wudu, the sins that you have committed with your hands, they also fall off just as though those drops of water fall off. And the same for your feet and so on. So bearing in mind all of these things and putting it all together will help us, inshallah, to focus in the salah. It is difficult to completely understand and completely agree with you. And as I mentioned, one of the reasons why it's particularly difficult is because shaitan has made a specific um, shayateen, a specific, you know, one of his helpers, if you like, for assigned to everybody that is directly responsible for just distracting us in the salah. So sometimes we'll find it difficult. In fact, many of the salaf, um, or, or some of the famous statements of the salaf, they used to say that um, we prayed for 40 years uh, to hajjud. And we didn't really, you know, have that kind of uh, khushu, that, that, that feeling. But after 40 years, we prayed another 40 years, and all of those 40 years, they were beautiful. So imagine it took them, some of them 40 years to gain that, that, you know, that feeling. So don't worry, uh, inshallah, it will come. It will just take time. And part of it is a test as well, that Allah wants to see if we are able to continue to strive to want to gain that khushu in the salah, to want to gain that focus in the salah. So it's um, you know it, it's not something easy. It's part of the, uh, something Allah has has made for us um, in this way to see if we are going to be the ones who want it and want to strive for it. Um, so that's the, that's the first question you had. Um, the second one you had, uh, yes. Uh, can we have names such as Jacob uh, instead of uh, and Joseph, for example, instead of Yusuf? So um, the answer is yes. Islamically, it would be permissible. Um, the name, for example, Yusuf, uh, is a, it's, it's the Arabic version of the name as such. Um, so uh, if you were to have, um, you know, let's say uh, the non-Arabic version of it, so call, it's called some college called Joseph. Uh, strictly speaking, it would be permissible. Islamically speaking, is it better to have the name Yusuf, for example, or Musa instead of Moses? A number of scholars would say yes, because it helps the attachment of the child to that name, that name which is in the Quran and so on. But is it haram to, to for example, uh, to call your son, your son um, Joseph? Then no, it would not be um, haram. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Um, <clears throat> the next question we had... Um, about uh, giving the uh, Quran to uh, a Christian, should you give a Quran to a Christian in, form of, in terms of form of da'wah and ask them to read Surah Maryam? So um, you could do, you could do. It depends often on the person themselves, what they are inclined towards or what they have questions about. Um, naturally, it would be in terms of the Quran, I'm sure you mean that it would be a translation of the Quran. Um, so with regards to that, Sometimes, in fact, many times uh, when you open the Quran, one of the most powerful aspects is that you open it, the first thing you see is that this is the book in which there is no doubt. Imagine, you know, when you write an essay, for example, you have a beginning, a middle and an end. How powerful is that beginning? Allah says that this is the book in which there is no doubt. That's like the opening statement. Um, you know, sometimes when... Um, 
often in um, uh, in the media, if you have like adverts or maybe even films, for example, um, they'll, they'll play like something which is known as a hook, which is something to grab your attention. Here, Allah, there's no better hook or no better grab of someone's attention where you open a book and, and Allah is saying that this is the book in which there's no doubt. There's no doubt. So it does depend on the individual. Um, but um, yeah, it may well be better in certain situations to guide them to Surah Maryam. They're inclined towards that in particular. Other times, then you don't necessarily need to. You could just present them the Quran. Um, and inshallah, uh, you know, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to guide them. I mean, the next question you had about listening to Quran um, and don't having that, not having that feeling. So the Quran, as I mentioned, is something which is that the place of the Quran is our hearts. Remember we mentioned that Allah says, that the Quran is revealed to the heart of the Prophet Muhammad We don't want the Quran just on our tongues. We want the Quran in our hearts. Now, how do we get the Quran to be in our hearts? This is the tricky part. Because as I mentioned, we know that the Prophet Muhammad said that every time we commit a sin, nuktatun soda, a black dot is placed on our hearts. And these black dots, they prevent the light of the Quran entering to our hearts. So if you're having difficulty, you know, for example, listening to the Qur'an, the first thing I would say is ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness for our sins. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness for our sins. Often the effect of our sins that we've committed, we don't, you know, see them directly. But indirectly they may present in this way why, why we don't have that same attachment to the Qur'an. So that's, that's you know, I probably said the first thing and most important thing to do for this particular issue. Um, okay, the uh, next question we had here. Yes, yeah, so the brother asked about building a better relationship with his family. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to um, increase the bond and the love um, between yourself and your family. Uh, I know you mentioned your mother is still alive and also you have a family and children as well. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala facilitate it and make it easy. In terms of um, how do you uh, improve that bond? So number one, which you touched upon yourself, is in terms of du'a. Du'a for one's family. This is something really, really important. The Prophet Muhammad used to make du'a for his own family. And if this is the Prophet Muhammad then our families are much more in need of that. So du'a is really, really important. As you correctly mentioned, something that's happened in the past, uh, or some issues that have happened in the past, as they say, uh, you, you can't make a, a, a second first impression. You can't change what's happened. But in terms of looking forward, then spending time with your family, looking at things that they, for example, like to do, um, whether it be, let's say, um, going to, let's say, uh, or listening to a talk together or watching a, a specific program together. The key thing really is trying to spend time with them. The third thing I'd mention is the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu he said that tahadu uh, tahabu, meaning that give gifts and it will increase the love between the two of you. So give them gifts as well, um, you know, even if it's a small present here and there, um, it doesn't have to be anything expensive. It's the thought, more, many, that, that, that counts to show that you're thinking about them. Uh, and that will also, inshallah, help build that love based on this hadith of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Okay, <clears throat> the next question uh, we have here. Um, uh, is it true that as parents we are responsible for our children's sins? into a certain age. Um, so <coughs> it, it depends. If you, uh, as an adult, as a parent, um, you have uh, neglected 
what your duties would be Islamically, then yes, one would be sinful for that particular aspect because you've neglected what your duties have been. But if you've done everything that's within your capable knowledge, for example, you've tried your best and so on, then um, a child's sin, as we know, uh, Allah says in the Quran, that you are not responsible for the sins of somebody else. A child, once they reach the age of puberty, that's when they then become responsible individuals in terms of they have to pray, they have to fast, and so on. Um, and they will then take on um, their own good deeds and their own bad deeds. But um, before that, generally speaking, then no. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. The next question we have here. Assalamu alaikum, wa alaikum salam wa I read my morning and evening adhkar daily, however they always get interrupted by my children. Where I need to take pauses and attend to them, I know that feeling. <laughs> so I don't feel the full essence of doing the adhkar. Uh, is it still acceptable this way and sometimes read what I, uh, I have left much later in the end? Yeah, so children are always there. And children are going to be children. And we shouldn't stop children being children in terms of how they are and how they act. And particularly in the morning, children are going to be active. They're going to be full of beans and so on. And alhamdulillah, that's from the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, so with regards to, to, to doing your evening and, and um, morning adhkar, then yes, do as much as you can. If they interrupt you, no problem. Let them interrupt and continue. Uh, or carry on afterwards. It's not a particular issue if you have to stop or and, and you can't do it all in one go. The key thing is that you're doing it, um, and you're doing it, of course, as we know, that um, the morning and evening of the car, they are protection from hasad, from jealousy, from evil eye, um, and, and the likes. Assalamu alaikum, Shaykh. Uh, I have jewelry for personal use. Should I pay zakat? Yeah, with regards to jewelry, so there are two views on this. The view of the Hanifi Metab, which is that regardless of whether you, you wear the jewelry or whether you don't wear the jewelry, for example, is kept in your safe for example or somewhere tucked away at home you need to pay zakat on it and this is the safer opinion that whatever regardless of whether you use the jewelry or not then you pay zakat on that gold for example if it's gold jewelry um, the second view is no that you don't need to pay zakat on it but as i mentioned it's definitely safer and always whenever particularly with money whenever you give money or give sadaq or give zakat allah says that he will return it to you so don't worry uh, about that particular aspect Go with a safe opinion. You know, even if we have to give a few pennies now, we will see pounds that will come in much, much later, uh, in a much bigger form uh, later on when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses you. So don't worry, but pay the zakat on it, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum, Shaykh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi Please, I want you to make dua for Allah to grant me sabr because uh, almost everybody has betrayed me. So, um, yes, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enable you to be amongst the sabirin, those who are patient, and to, to enable all of us to be amongst those who are patient as well, um, and to ease your affairs and to make it uh, something which is a form and a means of good deeds and expiation for you, um, and to relieve any distress that yourself are going through, and for anybody else, wherever they may be in the world, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alleviates their difficulty. Amen. Um, <clears throat> the next question uh, we have here, uh, with regards to birthdays, uh, is it permissible in Islam to celebrate one's birthday? Yeah, so this is a, a a good question with regards to is it permissible to celebrate one's birthday or not? And there are two uh, views which I'll mention here. The first view is that um, based on the hadith of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, where he said that there are two Eids, 
that it would be considered a type of festival, so therefore it would not be permissible. So that, that's one view. There are other aspects, um, I've just been told we've only got a minute left, so I'll have to summarize. There are other aspects, for example, the context of where birthdays came from originally. Now, um, originally it was a form of worship as such, but nowadays um, the context has changed. So because of that, um, the rulings often change as well. I'll give you an example. A hot cross bun. Originally it has a cross on it, but nowadays nobody says that it's, uh, you know, it's not allowed to eat a hot cross bun. The days of the week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on, why are they given these names? They were initially a form of worship, but nowadays, again, the context has changed. Everybody uses these, these uh, names of the week. So um, <coughs> the first view, as I mentioned, would be that it's not permissible based on various reasons, such as um, the origins and the fact that the, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu mentioned there are only two Eids. The second view says, no, the context has changed now, so the origins is not uh, relevant anymore because nobody does it as a form of worship, as I mentioned and gave a couple of examples. The second uh, part, they would say that the hadith refers to a religious festival, not any type of festival, because if we say it's any type of recurring event, it would mean, for example, that we would not be able to have annual end-of-year dinners or annual you know, work meetings um, or so on, uh, because it's a recurring event, even though it's not a religious event as such. So um, there are two views on this, and I hope that sheds a bit of light in terms of why there are two aspects, why there are two views with regards to um, birthdays and some of the reasoning behind these particular views. Okay, I've just been told we only have a few seconds left, and that brings us to the end of this particular show. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept it from us uh, and to enable it to make us a uh, part of the people of Jannah. Inshallah, we'll see you soon. Wajazakumullah khair. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. فَإِن تَنَازَعْتُمْ فِي شَيْءٍ فَرُدُّوهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ 